Welcome to Genuine Humans, exploring the stories behind the great marketing leaders of our time and hearing how their journeys have influenced the brands they've built. Brought to you by The Social Element, here are our hosts, Tamara Littleton, CEO and founder, and Wendy Christie, Chief People Officer. Welcome back to the Genuine Humans podcast, and I'm here with my fabulous co-host, Wendy Christie. Wendy, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm really well. How are you? Enjoying the sunshine today. Very, very happy. It's dismal here. Oh, I'm sorry. No, it's all right. It's going to warm up. I've got faith. (laughs) Wonderful. Well, we are joined today. I'm thrilled that we have Lisa Delaney with us today. And Lisa is the Regional Head of Marketing and Digital Sales for Europe for Cafe Pacific. Welcome, Lisa. Thank you very much. I'm delighted to be here. Well, I'm going to get straight on and ask you the question that I ask all of our guests, Lisa. So could you just give us a little run through of your early career of how you got to where you are now? Yes, definitely. Well, um, my parents are both Irish and we spent some time in Ireland, but actually we spent most of my life living in Canada. So I grew up in Canada, my sister and I, and I went to the University of Calgary and I gained my Bachelor of Commerce degree. And I decided that, you know, I really wanted to get into the consulting career. So uh, marketing wasn't my first choice, it was actually consulting. And I was shortlisted, you know, for Bain and Anderson Consulting, which is now Accenture. And I had some interviews with those companies and I was shortlisted and made the final round for Anderson Consulting and I didn't make the cut and I was just devastated. So I decided that, you know, I still really wanted to pursue this career of consulting. So I decided that I needed to leave Calgary and I looked at, you know, should I move to Toronto, London or Johannesburg? and see if I should move to one of those countries because that's where all of the major consultancy firms were based. So I made the decision. I woke up one morning and I was like, London, that's where I'm going to go. And, you know, it was a bit of a wing and a prayer. (laughs) And, you know, if you've, I don't know if you've read the, The Alchemist, but it has a quote in there that says, if you really want something, the universe conspires to make it happen. And it was really like that. And I found out just before I was moving that my aunt had a friend in uh, outside of London and I could stay with them, which was amazing because I had 500 Canadian dollars. <laughs> no idea how expensive it is in London. And I mean, I would have been back in Calgary after the first week <laughs> if it hadn't been for them. <laughs> and then I also discovered that a friend of mine at work, her husband worked for Air Canada. And so he, she was able to give me a buddy pass. So he exchanged my well unused pots and pans from university hashtag brand new (laughs) (laughs) and uh, I got the buddy pass to go on the Air Canada flight and I was bumped up to business class so I thought I was hoping the flight never ended because it was such a good experience (laughs) so I landed in London and obviously yeah managed to stay with some uh, this friends of our family so Angela and Len who I'm forever grateful for getting me my start in London and I started looking for you know consultancy jobs and I wasn't having much luck and so I ended up at this advertising agency it was called it was TMI at the time but it's J. Walter Thompson for the Mm. Middle East market 
And I found that actually everything that I had wanted in the consultancy industry, I found in the advertising industry. So this agency, you know, was working for many different clients. You had working as a team, you were continuously learning, you know, there was all, and it was dynamic and there were so many things that you were learning in this agency life. So I really discovered that I loved it and I worked there for a number of years, a couple of years. And then, you know, someone said, well, maybe you don't want to be pigeonholed in the Middle East market. So it's probably a good idea if you actually get some experience in the UK market. So I went off and worked in a number of different integrated marketing agencies and design agencies. And at one stage, one of the agencies I was working for, the the face agency, they actually went out of business. Mm. So I had always wanted to run my own business. So I thought, well, now's as good a time as any. So I decided to start my own business. So I started the Purple uh, Purple Chair. It was a marketing integrated agency. And I did that for a number of years. And I was also teaching Irish dancing at the time. So I had my own Delaney Academy of Irish Dancing. So at least I had some money and some balance coming in. And in July 2012, it was actually quite a quiet time. So obviously, it was the summertime. A lot of my clients were on holiday, and I wasn't teaching dancing. So I thought, well, I'll do a little bit of you know consultancy or, or marketing freelance work, basically, to keep me going through the summer. So I ended up getting a gig for two to three weeks at this company that I had actually never heard of, but driven by their office a number of times, and that was Qatar Airways. And so I started at Qatar Airways and after, you know, the couple of weeks, the the marketing manager ended up leaving and they gave the position to someone internally. And then that person went on maternity leave. So they said, Lisa, well, can you, you know, cover the maternity leave? So I said, yes, sure. No problem. So I stayed there. And then, of course, the maternity leave ended and the lady came back again and they said, well, we don't have a role for you, but actually, would you mind helping us out in Germany? So I said, yeah, sure. So I had, uh, I said, well, I'm, you know, I can do Monday, day, Tuesday in London because I needed to teach my dancing class Monday, Tuesday. I could do Wednesday, Thursday, Friday in Frankfurt and come back Friday night to teach dancing on Saturday. So I did this for a number of months and then a new country manager came on board in Germany and basically decided that he wanted me as the new marketing manager rather than the previous candidate. So he convinced me to move to Frankfurt. So I moved to Frankfurt, not speaking a word of German, by the way, (laughs) (laughs) which was an experience in itself. And uh, then an opportunity came uh, around to work uh, in New York for Qatar Airways as well and working in the Empire State Building on the 76th floor, which was pretty amazing. And, you know, we did a number of launches. So we launched our flights from uh, Los Angeles, Boston and Atlanta. So it was a very exciting time, but also high pressure. And I I was there for a year and then moved back to, to Europe. So then come back to Europe, looking after all of Europe, so 31 countries, team of 48, very diverse. And during that time period, I decided that I really wanted to do some more advancement and learn more and just widen my breadth of knowledge. And so I decided to do an MBA. So I did an executive MBA at Cass Business School, which is now Bayes Business School, which was amazing. And during that time period, I was approached for this role at Cathay Pacific. So as the regional head of marketing and digital sales. And yeah, and so I've been at Cathay Pacific since May 2019. Well, it feels like the theme is, yes, sure. Yes. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> These opportunities come up and you, and you just 
grabbed them with 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 both hands, which I think is is amazing. I'm so inspired by the fact that you know you came over to to London in the first place, but also that you know you moved to Frankfurt and and just that that sort of drive to just sort of try things out. Yes, it's so funny because I remember being in the UK, you know, speaking to the country manager in the UK and him telling me that, you know, there are opportunities within Qatar Airways, but you need to to be able to move. And I remember distinctly sitting in his office and there was a world map behind him, you know, and I remember sitting there going, I love London. I don't want to move. And like, I could not see myself moving at that time period. So it's so, you know, interesting how you change your views. And when something comes up, I think you do have to jump on it and and really try it out and you never know where it's going to take you how old were you when you moved to Canada I was nine and do you think that that move made it easier for you, for you to do all these other moves in the future it was just maybe it was just normal yes I think I we moved about you know I was actually born in South Africa so I lived in South Africa till I was six and then we moved to Ireland and I was there for three years and then moved to Canada so I think yeah, we always had a very tight knit family, I think, as well. So that unit is really important. And I think that's, you know, you have the strength from that. And our, our family, you know, our parents, our mom and dad always was like very much, you know, follow your dreams. And and because they explored the world, my dad lived in Australia, my mom lived in France. And so it was very much, I think, ingrained. And if you know many Irish people, I think we all love to travel the world. So yeah, it's probably fitting that I'm working for an airline now. <laughs> It probably is, isn't it? And so who did you look up to at that time, apart from maybe the Queen? Who were you? Childhood heroes? My heroes. Well, other than my dad, I was thinking about this. It's really, I don't know if I'll probably date myself now. Caroline (laughs) Bradley. She was an international British show jumper. And I used to do horse riding in Ireland. And she was, the, I think, the only female probably horse rider at that time. And uh, yeah, unfortunately, she actually passed away like a young age of 37 oh. of a heart attack because I was looking her up going, where is that lady now? And yeah, I did horse riding and I just remember yeah, I fell off my horse and uh, my dad said to me, you know, Caroline Bradley had to fall off her horse a hundred times before she got to where she is today. And somehow that made me feel better. <laughs> And, and then obviously a bit later, you, you sort of up sticks with your 500 Canadian dollars and, and went off to London. If you had your time again, would you do that again? And um, what advice would you give to anyone else considering that kind of move? Um, absolutely. I would do it again a hundred times. Yes. And I think it was about following your gut instinct, right? I didn't just, it wasn't a wavering thing. I really knew I'm going to London. Like it was so, it was so strong. So I think following your instincts, I would say definitely. And moving to another country gives you such a different perspective uh, on life. And you really uh, appreciate the things that you have in one country and how different the different cultures are. And yeah, it just broadens your perspective. So I would absolutely encourage people to at least travel uh, if you can't move. Yeah. Great advice. Uh, as you've been moving around and working for all these amazing companies, who are the people, who are the genuine humans who've really influenced you along the way? Yes, well, I mean, obviously, there's been a number of people, but I would say that probably, you know, my best boss, who's now a really great friend, is um, Gunter Sauwein. So he was the country manager in Germany at the time and then went on to be the VP of Americas. And it was great because he gave me really constructive feedback and he was a great sounding board. So I was like, am I losing the plot or do you think this is it? So it was great to be able to have that conversation and combat, you know, okay. And, you know, 
So that was a really great time. I think that we both had a very similar view about how things should go and we were able to bounce off ideas and there was a lot of transition and a lot of things going on in the company at that time. So he was definitely one person that, yeah, like I said, we're very good friends. And my boss at the moment, Ed Fotheringham, is also um, someone I'm learning from a lot because he has a different perspective and he approaches things differently and is really very good in the people side and, you know, sales enablement and, you know, really about managing people and learning lots from him. And the third thing is really is, you know, when I did my MBA, the cohort, I learned so much from all of those people. And, you know, I can't mention all of them, but it was a team of, you know, 30, 35 people with really diverse industry experience, really diverse cultural backgrounds. And and they helped me along the journey for sure. I just want to come back to the uh, the Irish dancing as well, if I may. Yeah, because <laughs> I know because we we sort of met up uh, recently, and and you were telling me that this is still very much a huge part of your life, isn't it? Yeah. How are you managing to sort of like balance that, and what is it that you're doing? Are you still running the academy then? I stopped just in twenty January twenty twenty, so I think it was good timing because I felt like I was a little bit on the fence. You know, I think you need to be really committed. So I been teaching Irish dancing in London since I arrived, I think since 2000. So I had taught for 20 years, um, but it's still a community that I'm really involved in. I recently judged the world championships in Belfast. So that was the first time after a couple of years and, you know, great privilege. And I think Irish dancing has so much, you know, it's, it's built so much of who I am, I think. And I think like sports, Irish dancing it's, you know, learning all the things, how to perform, how to manage your stress, how to manage your time, because it's a lot of commitment to to be able to dance competitively and to be able to get on that stage. And you just learn so much also like teamwork um, because you'd be dancing teams, but you'd also dance solos and the resilience as well, because quite often, you know, you don't win. Maybe you did deserve to win. Maybe there was politics. Maybe you didn't dance as well in the day. Who knows? It's such a subjective sport, right? And you just have to learn how to take the failure. And, you know, maybe you didn't win on that day, but you've got to go back and work harder or change what you're doing and just come back again. So it's a huge part of who I am. And the community is amazing. I love getting together because, you know, you go to the world championships or the North Americans or the all Ireland's and you get to see all the people you haven't seen from all around the world. And it's a, it's a really fun, uh, you know, apart from the very competitive stuff, there's a, a good social life at the end of the day. <laughs> Sounds amazing. And so important. I know that um, Wendy and I have sort of talked about this ourselves and with our, our guests, it's so important to have something outside of work that really drives you, but but also allows you to have that sort of mental space, I suppose. Yes. When you're dancing, you can't think of anything else. And it's so important. You know, when I see parents, uh, you know, that say, oh, you know, my kid can't come to dancing class or we've got, you know, sacrificing their sports or whatever to do study. I think it's a mistake um, because I, I think just having that time away and doing something different does give you that headspace that when you come back, you're actually much more focused and you just need those breaks. The endomorphins or whatever that you get from yeah, doing these things as well. Hits, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so coming back to the, the, the work side of things, though, we can't deny it's been really tough for your industry over the last couple of years. But looking forward now, what is actually exciting you in, in, the, uh, you know, in the marketing industry generally? 
for me, I love the integration of tech into the whole customer journey. And, you know, for me, that's really exciting because how can we make the customer journey or the customer experience more seamless or how do we make it just more enjoyable? And I find it, you know, it's such a fast paced environment as well. So you need to keep on track on all the things that are going on. And obviously you have to pick and choose what is most relevant for your um, company or the activity that you're doing. But I think that's in a really exciting area because there's just so many developments. I mean, if you're looking at voice or AR, VR, or, you know, even video streaming, there's just so many opportunities that you can make the, the journey more exciting. So or more comfortable or more enjoyable for our consumers. So I think that's a fun part of it. Yeah, that sort of frictionless tech. Yes. <laughs> and I also, I mean, out of COVID, I think what's also been, I think, fantastic for our industry is really the recognition that marketing is an important part of the business, mm -hmm. you know, that uh, we finally, I feel like we're finally getting a little bit of credit that everybody needs some marketing and that it really does add to your competitive advantage. And you do need to invest in brand and you can see how much of a difference that's making over time. And I just really, it's great to see marketing getting some credit. Absolutely. And you've personally worked agency side, brand side, and you started your own business. Do you think that sort of helped to to where you are now and is it something that you'd recommend to other people i'm not sure i'd do all of them if <laughs> 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 perfectly honest i think you know starting life in the agency side i think is a brilliant way to start your career you know because i had such a you know you get to see how the agency life works but you know you see every aspect of the agency and you're working with so many different people and it's not so narrow focused and then having that grounding and knowing how the agency works really helped my relationship with the agencies when I went client side and I mm -hmm. understood the businesses and you understand what really happens when you do new business pitch you know how much work goes on behind the scenes and you know being conscious and aware of those things then when we are doing RFPs or whatever has also helped shape that, you know, not asking so much of the agencies, what do I really need from them? And then just in general, you know, I, I think I'm always, I'm always seen as the one who's like supporting the agencies, but I'd also be the tough one as well, because I'm like, if you know, don't pull my leg because I know what goes on. <laughs> so I would definitely say the agency life was a really great grounding, I think. And if, you know, either you continue in the agency side or maybe you go on the, the uh, client side, because in the client side, you really get obviously more depth, right? You get to really get into the business and you get to make a difference in terms of actually actioning things and getting things done. So I'd say those are the two sides of the traditional marketing. I think if you want to do a business, obviously, if you're entrepreneurial and that's something you're really passionate about, then you should absolutely try it. And you just have to be conscious that, you know, not everybody's going to be successful. And you learn a lot from yourself when you do your own business because it's you. <laughs> it's pretty much you. Yeah. So I think it's, I, I mean, I'm still very entrepreneurial, um, but I think that what I've learned, I'm probably more entrepreneurial. So I love yeah. having actually the resources. So yeah, it's a difference. You know, you might be entrepreneurial, but do you really want to be a startup? Maybe you want to think, do I want to be more entrepreneurial? That's another option. Love that. And over the years, what are you most proud of, uh, either inside or outside of work? Just, yeah, what, what makes you proud? Um, I think doing my MBA, honestly, is like something that was really, I'm really proud of. It was something I wanted to do when I first came to London, but didn't have the resources. And so, yeah, really, it was the best decision I've made in a long time. So amazing uh, journey. 
And I think just the second thing that we've done recently at Cathay Pacific is we launched a European women's mentorship program. So we just had a kickoff conference in Milan on Wednesday. And so it was amazing to, you know, help other women on their journey. And I really hope that they get a lot out of the mentorship program in the next yeah, nine to 12 months. Sounds wonderful. I always think that maybe the pandemic has been a time to sort of reflect and, and pause about our, our industry. What do you think still needs to change in the industry and, and any ideas of how we can change things? I think we're making a lot of headway in terms of, you know, DE&I, so diversity, equality, and inclusion. But I'm also just conscious that we need to make sure we're not doing greenwashing. So whether mm-hmm. it's EAI or sustainability, mm-hmm. you know, make sure that you have that backing. And I, I'm not sure, as much as I love the awareness of Pride Month, you know, I'm not really sure I quite like everybody just color washing their logo. You know what I mean? Like, I think you really have to be someone that your company needs to be behind the things that you're you're promoting or standing for. So, you know, luckily for us, sustainability is a huge factor at Cathay Pacific. And, you know, we've been very quiet about it. We've been doing all of this work behind the scenes for many, many years. So we've had our carbon emission offset program since 2007. Mm-hmm. Probably nobody knows about it, you know, the Fly Greener program. And so it's great for us that we can at least be talking about these things and we genuinely have been doing it. So I think from an industry point of view, we need to be careful not to just jump on any bandwagon. And, you know, we're obviously, we're always looking for the opportunity. We want to promote things and we want to get our companies out in the spotlight. Um, but just being really conscious of how you're doing it and make sure you have the real backing uh, in actions behind it all. It's such a good point. And I know that we sort of have this discussion with with brands and it's it's always about having the right to be in the conversation and as you say if you can back up what you've done you know whether it's around sustainability whether it's whether it's about you know supporting the lgbtq community because people are so savvy on social media that if you sort of say yay we're supporting the gender pay gap or something like that and then it turns out that that's just not the case at all you will be uh you know attacked and and in, in many ways one would argue quite rightly so but i think it's it's such an interesting thing. I think it is about being positive and being, you know, confident about being in in those conversations. Just going back to the um, sort of the rainbow washing, it's such an interesting one because I agree to a certain extent that there is this danger where everyone just puts a rainbow logo up. And I think this was being discussed recently, I believe, by Mark Gritson. Uh, I think I've got that right. Then lots of people were discussing on LinkedIn about the fact that it's actually really lovely to see the rainbows and and being a sort of part of that community myself, I must admit, I love seeing everything covered in rainbows because it's that sort of, it's sort of affirming. So I I wouldn't want it to stop because it, it's sort of, it's a bit sort of passe, but I, it's, it's such a balance, isn't it? It really is a balance. It is a balance. I think you shouldn't be doing it unless you... Well, if you're really supporting it, right? Yeah. Like, don't just put it yeah. out there. Um, Absolutely, yeah. Because then, as I said, you will be called out on social media. Now, I know you said earlier about sort of, did you talk about putting things out into the to the universe? And mm. I'd love to know, do you have like a life mission? <laughs> um, don't know if I have a life mission. I think um, really about me, it's, yeah, I, I really try to encourage people to follow their dreams, I guess. Mm. You know, I think I really believe that if you do what you love, you'll be successful. And I think that's just something we've kind of been brought up with. You know, it's like 
you just bring a different kind of energy and and like that just things kind of fall into place or you meet the right people or it just you know if you go that route doors open and and something happens so i really try to you know i try to lead by example in terms of my leadership skills uh, or my leadership style i guess and i guess maybe i'm just optimistic and positive in in that <laughs> and that's where the canadianism probably comes in <laughs> yeah and we've kind of been brought up in that way so i think uh, it's more about yeah encouraging people to do what they love i guess I always joke about being the chief eternal optimist rather than the CEO as well. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I think that's, yeah, that, that label definitely fits. So we're going to come on to the last bit of the podcast now. I can't believe it's, it's, it's flying by. So we're going to get a bit more personal now, Lisa. Okay. I hope that's okay. <laughs> so what's your idea of a perfect weekend and do you have any guilty pleasures? Oh, I love the sun and the sea. So for me, a weekend away, somewhere warm on the beach, oh, heaven. And... So I would say start the day at the beach. This would be my ideal day. Afternoon in a spa, obviously. (laughs) Need some treatments, need some beauty treatments that you never have time to do. Um, Facial, obviously, massage. And then go get ready for dinner and have a really nice, lovely dinner outside with a bunch of friends, just chatting, glass of wine, good food. And that's... and. Bed by midnight, probably because like Cinderella, <laughs> and then repeat the next day. Basically, if that could go on eternally, that would be uh, fantastic. That sounds lovely. On the theme of food, you mentioned food. Um, if we were to have a look around your fridge, what would we find in there? <laughs> Not much, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking back to the unused pots and pans and wondering yes. if we found another theme. <laughs> uh, some water and maybe some bagels. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny. My mom can't believe that I love food so much, but I'm not that good at cook. So yeah, eating out is really important to me. No, but during the pandemic, to be fair, I have tried to learn a few new meals. But yeah, I am. My fridge is pretty much bare most of the time. Well, you'll have to check out Tom Wallace's uh, podcast. He's the CMO of Gusto, so you might be inspired to start using Gusto. <laughs> I need him. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I can't believe we're sticking with food, but, you know, this is Wendy and I, we, we love our food. Have you got a sort of a, a favourite restaurant? I'm just thinking you've been to so many different countries and have you got a bit of a sort of all-time favourite restaurant? Yeah, but I'm actually going to stay local for this one. Um, I used to live in Bayswater and there was an Iranian restaurant on Westbourne Grove called Alanak and I just was there all the time. And they have the most amazing, like, melt-in-your-mouth chicken with uh, saffron rice and you know they have that bread that's uh, in the oven you know that's uh, cooked freshly baked freshly in front of you with the hummus and everything and it's BYOB so you bring your own bottle it's absolutely perfect and it's really reasonably priced and I just love going there and it's quite unique and when my Canadian friends used to come to, to London, you know, take them to this Iranian restaurant and they had no idea where they were going. But we always had a great experience. So, yeah, it's my my international restaurant in London. Oh, I love it. It sounds really sociable as well. <laughs> oh, so social. And just it's such a nice atmosphere in the, the restaurant. So do you have a bucket list and what are the things that are still on it? Oh my goodness. So many places still I need to go to. <laughs> so I work in the travel industry, but I'm a, I, there's so many places I still need to go. Bali being one of them, that's like been on my list for ages and I was supposed to go multiple times. But I think one of the things that I would really love to do is actually go on a safari, like a luxury safari and just spend time and 
uh, I've seen there's also these safaris where you can horse ride as well. And, you know, to be riding your horse amongst all the animals and that would be just incredible uh, experience. So I think that's definitely top of my bucket list. Other than that, I'm not really, I hate the cold, so I'm not going to go climb Everest or <laughs> or go to, you know, Alaska or something. Yeah, that's, that's going to be warm countries. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> I think that's fair. <laughs> and if Tamara and I were able to give you an extra hour every day, how would you spend it? I was going to say sleep, but actually really what I need <laughs> is that special hour that is, you know, that you can prepare yourself for the day. So whether it's like some yoga or meditation or writing in your journal or just it's that centering hour, I guess, mm-hmm. that you can actually prepare yourself for the day. And that's the me time before you start doing everything else. And I think that like kind of 5 a.m. slot always seems to be the good one that everybody tries to get. So yeah, if you could slot me in an extra hour that'd be amazing cool how would your friends describe you yeah probably optimistic and positive but mm-hmm. also love a laugh so I think you usually hear my laugh before you see me uh that's been the, <laughs> the feedback I get in a lot of companies They're like you can always hear you talk uh so yeah laughing and just I think enjoying life and uh I'm probably quite busy and I'm like I'm always doing a lot of things so yeah I'm not someone to be sitting on the couch so they definitely say someone busy and active and doing a lot of things yeah I think there was a clue in that you you would have your extra hour at 5 (laughs) a.m I was thinking that's the middle of the night (laughs) now I haven't hidden the fact that I'm trying to start a karaoke movement with uh, maybe a karaoke yacht uh, in Cannes one year or something like that but uh do you do you like karaoke? Do you have a karaoke go-to song? Oh my god! Do you know how you should stick to your strengths? Singing is not a strength. <laughs> <laughs> you could just get up and do an Irish dance. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, if I had to pick a song, obviously it would have to be New York, New York, because I could do the rocket uh, kicks, you know, high kicks at the same really? time. So less singing, more of the high kicks. I think that would be more suitable for me. Fantastic. I mean, it's all about the performance. So that that's absolutely. <laughs> Someone else can sing and I can do the kinks. How's that? <laughs> Perfect. So we've actually come to the to the end of the podcast. Thank you for being such a brilliant guest. And is there anything that we haven't asked you that you really wish that we had or anything that you'd like uh, to share, any sort of closing thoughts? Oh, um, I think we've touched on a lot. So I I don't think I have anything major to, to talk about. But I yeah, I just think thank you so much for allowing me to be on this podcast and I've really enjoyed it and yeah I would just say to anyone out there you know follow your gut instinct and really just go for it yes sure (laughs) that's going to be my (laughs) new uh, tagline Lisa yes sure Delaney (laughs) but yeah I think it's really important if you don't you know enjoy your job then you know look for something else because you spend so much time of your you know your working life is such a huge part of your life so I think try and find some enjoyment in what you do because uh Life's too short. You need to enjoy it. You've been listening to Genuine Humans, brought to you by The Social Element. If you loved what you heard, remember to subscribe or you can find out more at www.thesocialelement.agency. 